Praise God. You know, like I said during camp, no angel can preach the gospel. No angel can preach the gospel. It is committed to men to preach the gospel. And sometimes we think that our input is insignificant. Oh, maybe it's for pastors. Maybe it's for evangelists. No. Our input is significant. For example, if Tricia never reached Ellie, I don't know him from anywhere. I don't know him from anywhere. Probably might pass by him many times and not know him from anywhere. But because Tricia came to church, and you know, these things cannot be forged or faked. No, that's the truth about these things. They cannot be forged or faked. Now, the experience he had, you, we can't explain it. When I was even praying for service, I didn't know he would come. And all that God wanted to do with his life or do to him is to give him that peace. I probably, because it was a miracle service. So in my mind, I'm looking for, you know, dangerous miracles. <laughs> I'm looking for someone whose head has been cut to be put back on his head. So I'm praying, praying, Father. Because God asked me to have a miracle service. So I'm praying, Father, miracle, miracle, miracle. For your people, Lord. Then this young man comes. His leg is not amputated. His ears are hearing. His eyes are seeing. But the problem he has in his life is that he's living, but he's frustrated. And that kind of person also needs a miracle. What kind of miracle does he need? He needs the miracle of peace. There are so many, you know, uh, people who are troubled in their hearts in town. And there are many, I tell you. Some of them, you see them. Let, let, don't let... <laughs> don't let social media deceive you. I'm a pastor. I talk to people. So, or people come to talk to me. So I know a lot going on that people don't know. I know a lot of people don't know. People will be, you know, coming to, you know, you. And on social media, they are the real candy, you know, real candy with the sugar, you know, with things. Saying, like, you know, they have names. And they'll, they'll, they'll do a video with a particular song. When you look at them, it's like they are living their best life. Some are crying in Dubai. They are crying. They are there, but they are crying. After they take the video, okay, if you are really enjoying, when did you have the time to take the phone to show us? And you are sitting down envying them. Ha, ha, God, God. But they are suffering. I remember there was this, there was this particular lady. I think her situation broke the internet, you know. Her boyfriend bought her, you know, phone and some things and shoes and, and plenty of things and she put on the oh this guy really loves me put the video out there and other girls who saw it were like hey God win hey God win now they were so intrigued by what happened when I got the chance to talk with this lady she said she was constantly living in depression that time so sometimes to shed off some of the depression they take those videos so don't let those things deceive you. A lot of people are going through a lot. No peace. Even you can see them rejoice about it. There's no peace. Because true peace can only come from God. And some of you know what I'm talking about. In your life, you looked, everybody thought everything was fine with you. But you knew deep down in your heart that you had no peace. Because peace comes from God. Jesus Christ said, he said, peace do I give you. He said, no, that is the world gives. So every opportunity we have to preach the gospel to bring someone to Jesus, to bring someone to church, is a great opportunity to do something for God. Remember what I said? If you love God, don't just sit down and say, I love God. When you love God, you do something. You do something. You start with your friends. You start with your friends. 
What uses it is you, of you being saved, born again, and your friends are not. You start with your friends. You start with your family. You preach to them first. It's not just about bringing them to church. Preach to them. Ah, I don't know what to say. Start with your salvation story. Preach to them. I like what Ellie said. I mean, the talk show really blessed me. I was very sure, but really blessed me. He said he told the MD. Because sometimes we sit with our friends, and while with them, they begin to tell us about how. No, let, let me, let me, you know, go straight to the point. Sometimes, you know, some of you know, you'll be with your friends, and we tell you how they went to their boyfriend's place and what their boyfriend did to them. Am I right? I know, I know. Some have, some have told me before. So one time a lady came to me and said, I feel like doing something bad. I said, why? So I was with my roommates and they were talking about what their boyfriend did to them. So they feel like also going to do something. So that's it. They just feel like doing something. Because their boyfriend was telling them things that were happening. That's it. And this person is listening to that conversation. Like you said, your MD was saying, I went to Gluba, I went to Gara, and, and other Christians will keep quiet. When they say, where did you go, sir? I didn't go anywhere. Because they are ashamed to say I went to church. I, I, I didn't go anywhere. Oh, then, you know, you know, start double thinking yourself. Maybe my life is boring. Meanwhile, you came to church, the power of God was everywhere, there was joy, there was rejoicing. Come, you look at your boss and say, ha ha, whoa, 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 whoa. Yo, I was in church. Wow, the power of God. The glory. They'll be looking at you. They'll be wondering, is it the same church that we all go to? That's like, tell them, ah, boss. You punctuated with a tongue. <laughs> you look at your boss. You <laughs> should be wondering what's happening. What's happening in that church? So, what did he do? He bore witness of the righteousness of God. That's what he did in that office. The same excitement with which the, the, those who are not saved testify of evil. And if we can have the same excitement, I have been in a, in a room with boys who have started talking about nonsense before, and they're kind of passion. So I catch them, I take and go this place. As I take and go this place, they say, you go do this thing. Where I say, I go do this thing. We are catch them, hey, challenge their team. Hey. Listen, if you don't talk and say yours, by the time you realize you have been shifted into sin, when it's time for at the point in time, they didn't want to hear me again because I'll say, wow, the power, raw power. But you don't keep quiet. Because in this world, you can never be in the middle. You are either the consumer or you are the producer. You can never be. You are either being consumed or you are consuming. You are just in the middle saying, oh, no, me, nobody's affecting me. And, ah, you are joking. You are joking. You have been captured, kidnapped by evil. Always bear witness of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, bear witness of Jesus. Bear witness of the righteousness of God. I met an Uber driver who tried to preach to me. I was challenged. Do you get it? He, he did, of course, he didn't know I was a pastor. So I also listened to him. I loved his message. I didn't want to discourage him. I said, preach on. He was telling me. He was telling about his testimony of how he was delivered from masturbation. I didn't, I didn't throw him off to say, oh, no, you can't preach to my pastor. No, I said, tell me. Tell me about it. Tell me. As he was telling me, he drove me to my house. He said, so he wants to say a prayer with me. That's the part I said, please, I'm already born again. But I loved his message. He didn't have scriptures to show me. Because you see, when you're preaching to someone who does not know God, you don't need, don't need scriptures. 
Because if you say, turn to Galatians, he doesn't know. Turn to Ephesians. No, he's sitting there with you and he doesn't even probably have a Bible. Then you are telling him, Genesis. Ah! You start preaching, you say Ten Commandments. Ah, you are off. No, but you share your life testimony. You share your life testimony. You don't have anything to say. You share your life testimony. The gospel is simple. The gospel should be able to, you should be able to preach it to a five-year-old and you should be able to understand. And don't get into arguments with people who, when you go preaching and people are talking about, you know, in my church, we don't wear earrings. Why are you earrings? That's not why you went there. Don't open any scriptures. I'll see you later. You tell them, I'll see you later. <laughs> you go where you are supposed to preach. Because they, those people arguments, they'll waste your time and they'll not be born again too. See you later. The day I want to do biblical exegesis will come. But now that I want to do so, in, I'm not ready for argument. Don't live a purposeless life. Live a purposeful life. A life that is lived for Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we pray to God for many things. Say, oh God, I want to be this. Oh God, I want to do that. Oh God, give me this job. Oh God, give me that. Every time we are collecting things from God, Give me, forgive me, give me, forgive me. Every time we are taking things from God. But when it comes, for, when it comes to the, the point of we need to do something for God, every time we are left, you know what? Sometimes I wonder how. How are we thinking like this? So selfish. And that's the nature of human beings. So selfish. Next week, Saturday, I want all of us in this church. First service. Next week, Saturday, we are all going for so many. Oh, Pastor. No, we all come here. We'll go in twos. When, when, we, when we convene here, are you listening to what I'm saying? Everybody will all go to different rates. We'll go to two, 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 two. We'll all preach. But some are not clapping. They are, they are. Is it a good idea? Is it a good idea? If you don't say yes, I'll come to your house and come and bring you out. You see, now I'm very serious. I, either I collect your shoe, I'm coming to you. Something, something has happened. Before you, you get in front of God and you have no testimony before God. You have no testimony before God. We all come here. Then we all share ourselves. One hour. When you finish, you go home. We're all going for so long. Oh boy. Who knows? Who knows whose life we are going to change forever? Who knows that the person you will talk to, oh, come on. I, I, as a pastor, I've seen things. I've seen people who try to reach me, and they listen to me for five minutes, and they canceled that suicide mission. Five minutes. A lady chanced on me on Instagram Live last year during lockdown, and that is how she did not, she did not kill herself again. Five minutes. So sometimes I wonder, how much time do we have for people? If someone listens to you for two minutes, will their lives change? Two minutes. Let your life be purposeful. Jesus said, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. Live a life of purpose. Don't live an empty life. Live a life of purpose. Live a life that, that God can recommend your life. If the Bible is to be written again, will your name be there? God said concerning Abraham, he said, I know Abraham. I know him. Does God know you? Does God know you? That you, 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 if you step out like this and there's an, you, you sit in an Uber and that Uber's, that, that's his last day of, you know, there's this testimony of a, um, a young lady, so inspiring. I was, I was sitting on a set with her, we were talking and so inspiring. I'm like, this girl is a nurse, all right? And when she has uh, patients, 
she has a reputation in the hospital that if somebody is about to die, she will definitely lead the person to Christ first. That's her reputation in the hospital. And they know her for that. She will share a testimony of how she met a, a man who was actually, you know, was a Muslim, and he was lying down and I think it was fire burns, a gas explosion or something. So um, while they were treating, while they were treating, she was lying down and God said, when you go for evening shift, lead him to Christ. When you go for evening shift, lead him to Christ. So while she was lying down, she said, no. Immediately she went for evening shift. She led the man to Christ around 10 p.m. By 12, the man was gone. Sometimes we think we have time, but we don't. So she and a couple of other nurses, what they do is once you come to the hospital, you're not saved, they lead you to Christ. Because they said they keep seeing dead people all the time. They realize death is really nothing. They keep seeing dead people all the time. And the question is, where are those dead people going? Sometimes we are so concerned about what we are massing for ourselves. Not, not forgetting that once a man is dead, there's nothing to be done again. He can't go with his car. He can't go with the house he's been trying to pray for. He can't go with anything. Oh boy, oh boy. One thing should be settled in our minds. One thing should be settled in our minds. Leading people to Christ should be the most important thing on our agendas. Leading people to God. Are you, are you, are you a good signboard directing people to God? Or in your life, no purpose. See, no purpose. Say after me, say I lead people to God. No, no say, say it well. Say I lead people to God. See. I'll lay the foundation for a message, a series I'm about to begin. Um, I'll lay the foundation for it today, and um, I believe it will be a great blessing to us this coming weeks. The title is Hearing from God. You know, I've had people ask me questions. How do I know this is God? How do I know that God is speaking to me? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? How many of you be asking yourself that? How can I tell if this is my mind or this is God? If you ask yourself that, right? How do I hear from God? Now, um, I was meditating on what I preached on Wednesday. I actually knew somewhere at the beginning of the year that I would preach this, but I didn't know when exactly. So I was meditating on what I preached on Wednesday, because on Wednesday I was talking about obedience to God. Now, I now started thinking, all right, um, before we can even talk about obedience to God, do the people even hear God at all? Do you get it? You know, because sometimes we can speak from our level. Because we hear God, right? And we can speak from a level, and we think everybody hears God. But sometimes people are even struggling to know whether it's God talking to them or not. And some people are actually waiting for a deep voice. You know? They're waiting for a deep voice. As they're praying, the pastor said he heard God. God told him, go to this place. This is the place. Move to this place. Do that now. Fry egg, you know. Buy bread. Hearing things. But they are praying and blank. Nothing. Ha! So is it that pastor has a special SIM card that's inside him, inside him that connects him to God? Is this some, some network I need to install or something? So let's be sure that we understand what it means to hear from God. And I think this series will bless you so much. And I, I, I remember teaching something like this 2018, but this is a little more advanced, okay? So, hearing from God. So, write it down. That's the topic of the message. Hearing from God. Part one. This is the foundation of the message. So, in the next couple of weeks, Wednesdays, Sundays, Wednesdays, Sundays, we'll be on it. There's a lot to say when it comes to hearing from God. And, you know, hearing from God is something that you must be taught. You must be taught. You need to be taught 
how to hear from God, how to respond to God. All right? Because I'll take, for example, Samuel. Samuel heard from God. God, oh, Samuel, Samuel. He, went, he goes to Eli to show you one thing. God always speaks with a familiar voice. So, <laughs> so we'll come to that. There are a lot of dynamics that we'll learn from there. So Samuel, Samuel, he goes to Eli. Samuel, Samuel, he goes back to Eli. Samuel, Samuel, he goes back to Eli. And the Bible says that Eli perceived that God was talking to the boy. So Eli began to think, no, God is talking to the boy. So Eli, being an experienced prophet, knowing how to respond to God, told him, he said, go and tell him. The next time you hear the voice, say, master, speak, thy servant hear it. Okay? Someone goes back, applies the formula, master, speak, thy servant hear it. From then, the Bible says, God began to talk to the boy. So question is, what if he didn't have that response? God would probably have stopped talking. And that's how someone would have missed the call. Now, if you think God is what you think, like he just comes and we just come and start talking, someone, someone, go back. No, 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 no. God spoke. If someone did not respond like that, God would not continue for you to understand who God is. So there's, there are some things that must be taught you when it comes to hearing the voice of God, responding to the voice of God, that unless they are taught, you never know, am I hearing God or not? So zeal is good, but knowledge, when knowledge complements your zeal, you get more results. Zeal is good. So sometimes people can come to church, zeal us for God, but if only they had heard a voice from God, their lives would be different. All right, so... Bam, bam, bam. So we'll begin with, when it comes to hearing from God, there's one thing you have to settle in your mind concerning God. There's something you need to settle in your mind concerning God, and that is the will of God. There is something called the will of God. There's something called the will of God. There is the will of God. Romans chapter 8. So he says from verse 26, one of my favorite scriptures. I mean, it can even pass from my favorite scripture because I always pray with this scripture. Always, always amazing. Likewise, the Spirit also helped our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, Old King James itself, is actually supposed to be himself, right? But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, okay? Because he Make an intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There is the will of God. That's the word I want to bring out for you here. The will of He said he make an intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There is the will of God. All right? And just as men have a will, God too has a will. You see? The will of God is sovereign. That's one of the things people need to learn. Now, I'll give you an example. Sometimes I've heard Christians say things, you know, very contradictory things, you know, like, for example, I told God, I told God, when I was praying, I told God, yeah, you did what? Have you heard it before? You heard people say, talk like that, I told God. You know, one time I was talking to a, a lady, she was like, you know, she wants to get married, and she's not been able to marry, and she got angry one time. She said she got so angry, and she began to tell God, eh? sometimes, eh? I'm saying that probably somebody who here probably was praying and decided to tell God and got an answer. Let me tell you what happened. Have you ever been playing with a child before and the child hits you, like little child, hits you, adi, 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 adi. then you did that. And the child begins to think, yes. Has <laughs> it ever happened to you before? You are playing with a child and just to make the child feel good, when he chews and hits you, ah! 
Then you will lie on the floor. And then even pounce on you again. Because he thinks, yes, I actually have some power here. What were you doing? You were increasing the guy's confidence in himself. Because that blow the child gave you meant nothing. That is how it looks like. You see, sometimes God has to, you know, have mercy on your ignorance. You told God? Do you know who God is? Romans 11. Let me start from verse 28. Right? Like I said, I'm laying the foundation so you, you understand very well. Let's start from verse 28. Romans 11. It says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, this is... Oh, I cannot start explaining from here. Okay, hold on. Now, when you study the book of Romans, from Romans chapter 9 to Romans chapter 11, he, the apostle Paul begins to do an exegesis, all right? It was more like a thesis, right? And he's explaining something, a topic in God that is very, very controversial. For example, when we say God is a merciful God, at the same time, we say God is a just God. These two sort of contradict themselves. For example, if he's merciful, why does he punish? All right? Because God is a merciful God. His mercy endured forever. Then other of us say, David will say, he's a just God. He's a God of faithfulness without injustice. He's a just God. So a just God will have to punish for wrong. A merciful God will have to have mercy for wrong. So, if he's a merciful God, why is he judging? Or why is he punishing? Okay, if he's a just God, why is he having mercy on some? So, it's like oil and water. These two. Come mix together. So, in Romans chapter 9, from 9 to 11, Paul is talking about the sovereignty of God. How do these two mix together? That is where the topic of his sovereignty comes in. Sovereignty because he is God. And he has a will. He has a will. He can decide to say, I want to have mercy. He can say, I want to be a God of justice. So, at this point in time, from Romans chapter 9 to Romans chapter 11, Paul is giving an exegesis on God's sovereignty, God's decision making, God's will. He decides, this is what I'm going to do, that is what I'm going to do. But you know, there's something about the sovereignty of God. And that's what brings us into this particular topic. There's something about the sovereignty of God. Even though God is sovereign, um, some Christians have understood the topic of God's sovereignty in a way that um, makes it look like if God is sovereign, that means God is responsible for everything. So then, if this is not happening in my life, it's because God has not decided to do it. No, because God's sovereignty is such that it comes face to face with our sovereignty as well. Because man is what we call a free moral agent. Man has free will just as God has free will. When God made Adam, let's go back to the Garden of Eden so you don't understand very well. When God made man, God did not make a robot. Now some people say, if God is all-knowing, then he probably knew that Adam was going to sin. So why did he create Adam in the first place? Have I heard of those questions? Right? Okay, let me help you answer it, right? Are you interested in the answer? Yes, ah, okay, good. Let me know you are interested in the answer. I'll take my answer to my house. Okay. If he knew, when we say God is all-knowing, what comes to your mind? Come, let me show you something. When we say God is all-knowing, don't start thinking that that means God knows that Andy is going to sin and he still makes Andy go and sin. That would be an error. 
That would mean God orchestrates that injustice. So there's actually um, a theological... Let me not go there. All right. Adam. Adam. Adam, Adam, Adam. So this is how God is all-knowing. He said to the children of Israel, he said, I set before you life and death. So this is how God is all-knowing. He has a free will. So there is a road to life. There is a road to death. He's all-knowing because he knows the end of both. No, you, you think I'm lying? They are like, okay, why did God make two, two trees? Why did Adam eat the other one? If he made one tree, no, come on. If, if the tree was just one, we know that he, God orchestrated Adam to fail. But he made the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there was also a tree of life. The same thing he said to the children of Israel. He said, I said before you life and death. Then he now gives them intel, inside information. He said, but choose life that you may live. So there's a road leading to life. There's a road leading to death. Then God tells Adam, please, go the way of life. Then man disobeys God. God told him, don't touch it. Why, why don't touch it? Can you sit down? Why don't touch it? So I'll help you with that. Why don't touch it? Now, someone say, ah, what is the use of, of um, uh, putting a tree in a garden if God knows that it will lead to sin? Why, why is the tree in the garden? Now, God will have to put that tree in the garden, those two trees. He will have to put it there for two reasons, faith and love. I'll explain. Now, God makes Adam. He said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. Image means to look like God. Likeness means to function like God. Now, according to likeness, that means Adam will have to also have the opportunity to also make choices. So God has to present Adam the opportunity to make choices. If there were, those trees were not available, I'll tell you the reason for those trees later. If those trees were not available, that means God has not given that man the opportunity to make choices. So he sent those two trees there, put Adam in the, in the garden. Now faith, why faith? Because when you read Hebrews chapter 11, when the the the... Reports of faith were being read. The first person, you could see that it was done in that order. The first person to be acknowledged as a man of faith was Abel. Why? Abel was not the first man. That means that tree that was put in the garden was Adam's opportunity of entering the hall of faith. Because that was the only, that was the only instruction given him. Because you see, coming into the kingdom costs you nothing. But kingdom ranking will have to cost you faith. Everyone who gets ranked in the kingdom gets there because of faith. That's a spiritual reality. Everyone who will have a ranking in the kingdom will have to get there because of faith. So God presented Adam the opportunity to be a man of faith. Like till today, the Bible says God had respect to the sacrifice of Abel. God looks at Abraham, looks at all the things Abraham did, and says Abraham is the father of faith. God looks at David, God looks at Samson, Barak, Gideon. All of them are mentioned in the book of uh, Hebrews 11. So, kingdom ranking. It gives them a place. Now, Adam is not remembered for anything in this world except that he disobeyed. So, Adam lost the opportunity to become a man of faith. So, no ranking for him. He gives birth to a child called Abel. Abel hears from God that they should present an offering to God. And what offering are they supposed to present? A sin offering. This is where it was an, an, uh, an issue of faith. Because it was supposed to be a sin offering. Now some say, oh, Cain went to take rotten goods. That's not true. Cain did not take rotten goods. 
Cain did not take rotten goods. <laughs> Sunday school, the lights are. Don't say, oh, Cain took rotten goods. That is why God rejected it. It's not true. It was a sin offering. And the nature of a sin offering is that it must have blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So Cain brought, because according to the Bible, Cain was, um, was a farmer. Abel was into livestock. So Abel brought the lamb, the first links. That was the lambs. Cain thought, me, this is what I do. You understand? So Cain was giving God what he had, not what God requested. That was the issue. It was not because he took rotten goods. He took what he had. God asked them, bring what you want. Uh, bring a, a, an offering for sin. He took what he wanted. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a mystery. Don't give God your best. Give God what he has asked for. <laughs> Always give God what he has asked for. Don't give God your best. Say, I tried my best. No. Ask him what he's looking for and give it to him. <laughs> so, that was a matter of faith. Why, why love? Because you see, love must be responded to. God loved Adam. He gave him everything in the garden. Then he says, don't touch this one. If you love me, you won't touch it. It was Adam's opportunity of love. To respond in love to God. But Adam chose the other option. He decided he was going to eat the fruits. So I say, oh, Adam was in the farm. The Bible says Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. It was Eve who was deceived. Because Eve was not there when God gave the instruction to Adam. And Adam injected religion into the instruction. Have you ever heard people, God said, don't take three steps. They don't go and tell people, God said don't step anywhere at all. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? Said, God said don't. Because God told Adam, he says, the day you shall eat of this, you shall surely die. Don't eat of it. He said, don't eat of it. Oh. He went to tell Eve that, don't touch it. Different instruction. Added more. Religion. That's what religion does. Strengthens the legalities. Mm. Don't, 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 look, don't even see it. If you pass by Bloomberg, you, are, uh, you have been dirty. If you don't even pass there. If you come close to a sinner, when you finish bath, religion. The Jews, when they are writing a letter and it comes to the name Yahweh, do you know what they do? They go and bath, not waste their hands. They bath because they think the name of God is so clean. Yahweh. When they get, get to Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. When they get, before they write it, they have to go and bath. So imagine you have to write God 12 times in a letter. Skin erosion. <laughs> and if you, you are in a school like St. Peter's, where they don't like bathing, how do I know? I, well, I was there. The weather is so cold, you can't afford to bath twice. If you're in a school like that, and you have to write the name of God, and you have, you're a Jew, you have to write the name of God, you avoid the letter altogether. And you were there too. Do, do we, did we used to bath? You don't bath. You don't bath. At most, you can buy two pure water, you know, just do, a, you know, ablution, just ablute, you know. That's how we, we rule. But, mind you, when it's intercourt, we will bath. Because... Looking fresh. After intercourt, we're back to default settings. Okay. So, that was Adam's opportunity. So, God is sovereign. He has a will. Man, too, has a will. But God looks at man. He looks down from heaven. And he says, man, I made you. If you're going to thrive 
and flourish and make impact in this world, you would have to be listening to me. You have to be listening to me. Oh, how people have lived a life of their own, tried and have been lost over their life, and everything they did, you know, was just for them. Everything, everything they did was just for them, was just for them. And that's what brings frustration into their lives. Because the one who made the product has the manual of the product. The one who made man knows what, what is inside man. And he knows what he made that man for. So as much as that man lives, he will never find peace until he begins to hear from God what he's supposed to be, where he's supposed to go, what he's supposed to walk in. Will never, he'll never. Romans chapter 11 from verse 29. So over there, I start from 28. So it says, for the gifts and the callings, okay, as, calling, as concerned the gospel, 28. As concerned the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, election there is talking about the sovereignty, all right, God's decision, all right, he said they are beloved for the Father's sake, because he was talking at this time about Israel and the Gentiles, all right, time enough, I mean, to go into that, I treated some of that in Christ and Christianity. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, verse 30, he said, for us in times past have not believed God, ye have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God had concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth. Now, this, this is my point. You'd love it. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Who had known the mind of the Lord or had been his counselor? That, that's, is there anyone who counsels God? And we're talking about sovereignty of God. Who had known the mind of the Lord? Is there anyone who counsels God? Because, because Paul looks at it in verse 33. He said, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. It means if you take one million men and they all think all the best they can think, they still can't reach God's thinking. They can't get to the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's what I'm saying. As I said, look at the person who says, I told God. Rather, shouldn't you be listening to God? Because Paul says, all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Let me tell you something. When you think about God, God is, is beyond, he's beyond what we actually think. For example, even though God is sovereign, he made his world, set laws in the world, then he came under the laws he set. It's, it's mine. Let me tell you why he did that. He, he made the, the world. Then he said, he weaned the world with laws. Okay, so he said the law of sowing and reaping. He, uh, uh, he said the law of sowing and reaping. He set other laws into the world. Then with those laws, he came under those laws. Then he made man. Then he himself decided to be governed by those laws. Why? Because... He had seen something that we had not seen. For example, the law of death and resurrection. He said the law that if you put a seed into the ground, the seed will die. Then it will come out. Why? Because he was making provision for Adam's error. So that if Adam makes an error, he knows how to bring Adam back. So that the death and the resurrection of Jesus is not a new phenomenon. It's already a law that exists in the spirit. So, with the, with, with the pre-existence of that law, he cannot be questioned. Now, the, the Bible says something in the book of Romans chapter 3. It said that God might be just. That God might be just and the justifier of him. No, anytime I read that scripture, I'm like, oh God. 
Oh God, that God might be just. That means God is interested in being just. Hold on. Let me help you with this. Please come. Please come. All right. Someone says, how can one man sin and everybody has sinned? So one man, Adam, sinned. Then everybody on this side sinned. That is injustice. What about, think about it. One man sinned, everybody sinned. That's injustice. Because what about the guy who doesn't know anything? Like me, very innocent. As I was born, so innocent, I don't know anything. I don't know about you, but me, I was very innocent. As the nurses were bringing me to, oh, cute little baby. I don't know anything. If you give me food, I don't want to eat. Injustice. And I'm counted among sinners. Why? Because of Adam, I don't know from anywhere. So how does God correct that injustice? He also brings one man to die for all. So if people ask, how can one man die and everybody is saved? How can one man? Because one man also sinned and everybody sinned. Thank you. He said, all the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his riches. You, you, you've been looking for, you know, God. God. His, his depth of riches and wisdom. That means God is worth listening to. God is worth hearing about your life, about your future, about everything. He's worth obeying because all the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's deep. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If we are talking about, about, about life, we should be talking about God. Because he knows more than we do. Let's go back there. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. Verse 34. Who had known the mind of the Lord, or who had been his counselor, or who had, fir- had first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. And the people of God say an amen. Amen. So God has a will. He knows how your life is supposed to go. He knows how our lives are supposed to go. He has a will. What does God think? Because you see, before we can even start talking about obedience, obeying God, we have to know what God thinks. What is the word of God? We're starting with that. What's the word of God? The word of God is the thoughts of God clothed with vocabulary. The word of God are the thoughts of God clothed with vocabulary. See, when we study the word of God, what we are studying is the mind of God. What we are seeing is the character of God. So I say, oh, you can never know God. No, it's not true. He gave us his word and said, oh, God works in mysterious ways. That's not from the Bible. God does not work in mysterious ways. It's the devil who works in mysterious ways. God does not work in mysterious ways. I'm telling you today. So God works in mysterious ways. No, if you go, let me tell you, even in, in the New Testament, the word mystery. Oh, come on. I don't know how. Whether to go this way. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The word mystery in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, mystery will mean something that's not known. In the New Testament, mystery is something that has been found out. In the New Testament, nothing is hidden. Come on. In the New Testament, nothing is hidden. Don't say, ah, there's some hidden code. No, because, oh, come on, come on, come on. Jesus was talking with disciples. He said, ah, I cannot say everything to you. He said, but when the Spirit comes, he'll reveal to you the truth. That means the moment the Holy Ghost stepped in, there's no more mystery. Listen, there's no prophet. Oh, come on. Oh, come on, come on, come on. There's no prophet assigned to you to tell you what to do. Shebra duske some are still going to prophet to tell them what's the next level of their life. Okay? People have been destroyed because of things like this. In the New Testament, there's no prophet. 
You know, once I was listening on TV, uh, a prophet was talking. He said, every Christian needs to have a prophet's wrong. Inconsistent with scripture. Hey. You hear these teachings. You know, I have a personal prophet. When I go, he tells me, do this business, do that business. Yeah? You're about to get into trouble. You should listen to stories. How a prophet was able to get his member, who was a lady working at Bank of Ghana, to leave her husband so that she can marry one of his junior prophets. Why? Because the lady was signing fat checks. So he thought that if we bring this one inside the house, it's better. The lady ended up committing suicide. Because she was never happy in the, in the... Why are you putting your life in the hand of a prophet? In the New Testament, there's no prophet assigned to you. Hey, tell you things. I'll tell you things. This, this particular topic, I'll tell you things. So, you know, there's this prophet. There's this prophet. No, he really tells me a lot. There's a prophet. And oh, come on. Some Christians are so gullible. Every time, jumping from prophet to prophet. What's wrong with you? Is that what? Excursion. Prophetic excursion. <laughs> jumping from prophet to prophet. Hey, I met a prophet. Sharp, sharp, sharp prophet. Ditto, 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 ditto. Then you go to another one. Ha! This one is sharper than this one. Madam Koliba. I told you a story of how when I got born again, I went to preach in the market. Oh, and at that time, God has started showing me, you know, vision. So I've, I've started exercising prophecy. <laughs> so now I started exercising. I'll be talking to somebody. I remember, come on. I, 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 when I got born again, I went to my ex. I was going to preach to my ex. And I've started seeing visions at that time. I went to her and I saw her. She's dating three guys. I said, who's Mohammed? She said, hey. I mentioned the two other names. That's how I led her to Christ. I'm talking to you now. She's still saved. She's still born again. I'm telling you. I mentioned her three names. Because they're cheating my stuff. Yeah. I, I, I stand for justice. I, I stand for freedom and justice. Yeah, independence of Ghana. <laughs> independence of the uh, masculine race. I stand. I defend. Uh, as I finished, ah, this lady got saved. So I was exercising it. I was seeing a few things and I was loving what I was seeing. So I went to the market to preach. The first woman I walked to, the spirit got opened my eyes. I began to tell her about her family. She said, hey! Hey! And I was, I was, you can imagine how I looked. Very slim and small. With my Bible, with a big head. And I said it. The woman was like, wow! Wow! And I went home. The next day, because I led the woman to Christ. The next day, I picked my, I picked my Bible again, going to preach again, because I had a fruitful day the next day. The woman has told all the market women. Ha! Oh, you're Listen, I didn't know that sometimes souls can win you. I didn't know. When I entered the market, hey, hey, brah! <laughs> so I thought today, market is booming today. Like, so winning is working. So I sat down there with her, with another woman. She was determined. So I, at that time, I, at this time, I've not seen any vision. Because you know this vision, you cannot start it. It has to be shown. If it's not shown, there's nothing. Can you just preach your Bible and go home? So I picked my Bible. I said, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. The woman was not interested in what I was preaching. <laughs> As I was preaching, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But how? Eternal life. Oh. Just look at me. As I held the hand, we were praying. I said, oh, maybe I. Oh. You see that me, 
Also, the young boy, young boy. Also, for whom be be, whom be be, mommy. I didn't see anything. So I carried my Bible and I left the place. When I walked past the place, the woman doesn't even want to see me at all. Imagine I, I, I'm, I'm forcing to live up to my expectation. I'll start lying. But who saw a black shoe? But who saw a black shoe with you? Why do you need black shoe with you? Who saw you ask me? Who said, in China, with you? Did I ever tell you this, this story of a prophet who called someone out of a congregation? I said, so soon we are saying, can you all speak tree? Because I want to, can you all speak? Because I also said it was a tree, so I have to say tree. I said, so soon we are saying. Who said, a dream is some fear tree. Who said, a dream is some fear tree. Who said, a dream is Wisdom. Said the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his, are, are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Now, hold on. So we get to understand that God has a will. And his will is superior because he said, Oh, the depths. There's nothing like it. There's nothing, there's nothing you can think. If if you thought, Oh, I, I, I want to live my life this way, I want to do this with my life, and God ever tells you, No, no, no. Like, take for example, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes out of Jordan. He comes out of Jordan. The next thing is, everybody has seen because John the Baptist spoke loudly. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he tells him, okay, he baptizes him. He says, this is the Son of God. The next thing Jesus should be doing is going into town and saying, hey, did you see what John the Baptist said? Y'all listen to me? Y'all listen to me? No, no. Rather, the Spirit took him into the wilderness for 40 days. That was like... That looks like retrogression, right? That looks like retrogression. He takes him, Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. The Spirit took him into the wilderness. So the Spirit of God takes John the Baptist, um, Jesus Christ, into the wilderness after 40 days to be tempted of the devil. It was the Spirit that took him to the devil. So at that time, it will look as though, ah, I thought John the Baptist said this. And at that time, the devil now began to question the things God told Jesus. Because God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the devil comes to Jesus. If you are really the son, turn this stone into bread. The devil now begins to question what God said. Ladies and gentlemen, what was happening that day was a replay of what actually happened in the Garden of Eden. They were replaying because Jesus is supposed to be the second Adam. At this time, the devil brought the same tricks. The first one, food. Second one, food. He said, turn this stone into bread. Turning the stone into bread was not the issue because Jesus later turned what turned to wine. So turning was not a sin. What was the issue? Who was telling him? Who was telling him was the issue? Because the Bible said that he was hungry. So there was nothing wrong with turning the stone into bread. No. Then he said something. And that's what I want to bring your mind to. Deuteronomy. Alright, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. That's what happened. He answered and said, It is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. When we read this scripture, some people think, Oh, that means God is saying, Don't eat too much. You know, somebody said, mm. That means bread is important. Because he didn't say, Man shall not live by bread at all. 
man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's he saying? It means, oh, come on. He's not, he didn't say man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is written. He said, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means the only sustenance of a man is the voice of God. Does God speak to you? Does God speak to you? That's why I'm sharing this topic, hearing from God. This next few weeks, I don't know how long I'm going to preach in this, but could be a month or two. Does God speak to you? Man will flourish under the voice of God. Man will flourish if he listens to God. That's what he's saying. He said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Moses was in the presence of God for 40 days. 40 good days, Moses was in the presence of God. Doing what? Listening to God. The Bible says that he was not eating 40 days and 40 nights. Why was he able to go 40 days and 40 nights without eating? Because while he was there, he was hearing God. And God's word is food. If God speaks to you, it's not reading. If God is speaking to you, you can be there. Have you ever had a fast and you thought you were about to die? Then you hear God's voice. All of a sudden, you're no longer hungry. You have an encounter with God because God is food. The man that God made knows, he knows something about that man he made. He knows that there's something about the man he made. That if that man listens to him, if that man hears him, that man can be sustained by what he's hearing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. These next few weeks, I'll be sharing on hearing from God. This is the beginning. I want you to lift up your hand and thank God for the Holy Spirit, for the word of God in our lives. I want you to pray in the Holy Spirit now. said the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 maybe we should start from verse 2 Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 he said thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in, the, in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no Verse 3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Jesus was quoting what God told Moses. He said, everything that you went through in the, in, in, in the wilderness, he said, was because God wanted to prove a point to you that you can be sustained not by bread, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Hearing God for a Christian is non-negotiable. You should hear God. Let me tell you something. If God has not said anything to you concerning your finances, that we'll come to that. I, there's, there's a lot to say, but we'll come to that. If God has not spoken to you concerning your finances and he has spoken to you about your health, you'll see your health flourishing, but your finances not flourishing. Because it is God's word 
that will sustain you. It's God's word that will sustain you. There are some people, they've heard God in their business, but they've not heard God in their family. You see, they've not heard God in their family, concerning their family. They've heard God concerning their business. So their business is doing well, but they've not heard God concerning their marriage. They've not heard God concerning their child, their childbirth. They've not heard God. It's very important to hear God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. At this point in time, you're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the privilege of hearing Him. Thank God for the privilege of hearing Him. Go and pray in the Holy Spirit. Go and pray in the Holy Spirit. of listening to him and hearing him. Go ahead and thank God for the privilege of listening and hearing God.
spiritual eyes are open our spiritual ears are open our heart is open to hear God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ you know this next few weeks as I begin this teaching a lot will come to your spirit you will hear God he will tell you what business to do are you listening he will tell you what to do he will tell he, look, he can tell you what to study he can tell you what to study he can tell you how to get out of trouble. Are you listening? He can tell you how to get out of trouble. He can tell you who to go and see. All you need to do is he said, what he said was that, that you might just know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's a real thing. The Christian life is a real thing. Where we hear God. I hear God. He, he tells me what to do. Sometimes, you know, you can pray about something and the answer is hearing God. The answer, you know, listen to this and never forget it. What you have to say to God is not as important as what he has to say to you. <laughs> what, you know sometimes we pride ourselves in how long we can pray. Do you know I can really pray? No, no. Your pride in the place of prayer should be what you hear from God. Should be what you hear from God. Because what you have to say to God is not as important as what he has to say to you. When you hear God, that is it. I told people, I said, multiplicity of prayer is not what brings power. Some people say, you, when you pray more, you have power. It's not true. I don't, I've never seen that in the Bible. I've never seen that in the Bible. The multiplicity of prayer is not what brings power. Power comes from God's word. Because nobody prayed for God to start creation. He spoke. So the power is in his word. So every time you pray, when God speaks to you, 
That's the difference. That's what makes the difference. When God speaks to you, that's what makes the difference. If anytime God t- talks to me, that's it. Like t- in 2017, the Lord said to me, He said, You are a tree that I have planted and no one can cut you down. So there's nothing anybody will do. It's your, no matter what you try, you are, you are, you are, you are on your own. Because the word of God has gone forth. He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away. He said, It's my word. At the time, he was saying there was no Bible. So he was not referring to the Bible. Listen, if they burn all Bibles in the world, listen, if they burn all Bibles in the world, say, no, you people have no Bible again, we will rewrite it. Because the author of the Bible called the Holy Spirit is still around. We will rewrite it. Maybe not just not the same, the, the same very words. We don't have to cram it. Because the, the apostles, there was no Bible. So what were they referring to? The author of the Bible lives inside us. So this topic I'm taking is so important. Don't miss any of them. You have to hear it so that from now, your life will be um, an, an ending stream of the miraculous because you hear God. Last week, no, I think on Wednesday when I was talking about obedience, someone came to me and said something. And when she spoke to me, she said, God told me to do this. And I knew God would never say that. And I thought to myself, you know, sometimes when people take this thing to the extreme until they are rightly guided on how to hear God. 